HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexis Santos, a senior producer at the Feed Feed, which is the world's largest crowdsourced food and drink publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the Feed Feed podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Chef Andrea Guastella. Chef Andrea is the chef and co-owner of L'Arte della Pasticceria. Born in Sicily, Chef Andrea has been in the restaurant industry almost his entire life and now brings his delectable Italian treats to his local neighborhood in New Jersey and beyond, including nationwide shipping. Well, Chef, I am so excited to be chatting with you today, and I'm sure I'm going to be very hungry by the end of this. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Good. So tell me, let's take it back to the very beginning. You were born in Sicily. And what was that like? I mean, growing up in Italy, I'm sure food has just been part of your blood your entire life. So what was kind of your childhood like as it pertained to food? Yeah, well, since I was really like, since I was a kid, I, you know, I was born and raised in a family that usually like cooked for the whole you know, the whole time, like during Sunday meals and during the holidays and things like that. So I was born and raised in that kind of environment. And I always had my hands into the, like, you know, cooking stuff. Um, it, this in Sicily, the food, the food culture, it's, it's incredible. Like the, the products that we have, the ingredients, the raw materials, ingredients, uh, it, it's really amazing. So wherever you go, you have, you're facing a reality that's it's incredible. You you need to get in love with that. That there's no choices. Yeah. So who was cooking primarily in your family? Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Who was kind of inspiring you to cook back in the day? Mm, my whole family basically cooked, but yeah, mostly my mom and my dad. They were cooking all the time. 
<laughs> and what were some of the things they were making? Well, mostly like they, they never been like into baking that much. Uh, that's what they always okay. say. I'm the, I'm the weird one. I'm the weird one of the family. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I got, <laughs> I got into a different section, but, uh, they, they were mostly making like Sicilian street food, uh, lots of pasta, incredible amounts of pasta. You, you have no idea. <laughs> uh, yep. A lot. <laughs> and yeah, I bet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But mostly like typical Sicilian food, like uh, the Sicilian rice bowls, uh, scotcher, like street food and things like that. And so what were your favorites growing up? Uh, I would say pasta. It's always been my favorite thing. Like uh, when we were making ravioli and cavati, which is like, uh, like cavatelli, it's like a, like a housemade uh, kind of pasta. I was always the one trying to sneak into the kitchen, try to use the machine and make them myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was, that, that was probably my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm already in the mood for pasta, like just talking about it. So Absolutely. You... let's do it. <laughs> so did you go to culinary school in Italy or what was kind of your journey to becoming what you are now? Well, so this is my kind of journey that's I, w I wish it would be like an inspiration for other people too, because I honestly, my family never had that much money. So the culinary school in East, in Italy, it's crazy expensive. Really? It's so far away from where I was born. So I couldn't afford it. Uh, my family couldn't afford it. Uh, I went to study, like, I went to do completely different studies. I studied political sciences, uh, but then I realized that that was not for me. And in the meantime, I was, I was always working in the bakeries. And uh, I basically started, uh, decided to start my journey on my own. So I started uh from the, you know, from the bottom. I started working in bakeries uh, since I was a kid, uh, different kind of bakeries. I focused, like I focused mostly on gelato production at the beginning. And then I focused on pastries and cakes, uh, wedding cakes. And then in the meantime, I, as much as I heard a little bit of money, I would go like to a school and do like a master on like chocolate, a master on gelato, a master on pastries. Mm -hmm. So that way, like on a weekly basis, it wouldn't cost me like a fortune. And I did it. I, I couldn't afford the whole culinary institute, but I broke it down like piece by piece and yeah, we got it done anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's super cool. I mean, I was kind of in the same boat, honestly, when I decided that I wanted to pursue, you know, food as a career. I had already gone to regular college and it didn't make any sense for me or my family to pay, you know, it was already, I already went to college once. It's so expensive to go I to know. culinary school and then you don't make money. I mean, unless you're working, you know, to going to culinary school during the day and then working at night, it's, you have no income and then you have to pay to go to school yeah. as an adult. It just doesn't make any sense. But also sometimes, I mean, I, I, of course, like I encourage kids to go to school. The school is great. Uh, the, the, everybody should go as much as you can afford it. But like right now, like at the bakery, I'm hosting uh, guys from the CIA, the Kurani Institute of America. Yeah. They do the extension with me. And mm -hmm. 
I have to say, like, it's great, but, like, I always tell that everybody, like, school, it's not enough. Like, you need practice. You need hard work. Right. You need to work with other people. You need to meet as many chefs as possible. You need to learn from their experience. That's what I've been doing for the whole life. And it worked out because uh, you get to know a lot of people um, always with, you know, uh, try to be as nice as possible with everybody. And people can be nice with you too. So I fortunately, like I met a lot of people that taught me a lot of secrets, a lot of tips, and it's, it's, it's worth it. Like the hard work, it's for some aspect, it's much better than the school. School gives you a lot of fundamentals, of course, but then it's like working. The hard work makes you <laughs> the man you want to be, <laughs> the woman you want to be in, in, in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So when did you decide or how did your, your love of pastry come about? It sounds like you grew up really loving, you know, pasta and all that type of stuff. And then you became kind of the odd one out to really pursue the pastry. So how, how did that yeah. happen? Well, it's funny because I started to like, I always wanted to like stay in the kitchen, no matter what, no matter what I was doing, as long as I was gonna stay in the kitchen, I was fine. I was happy. Uh, but I started to enjoy some kind of cooking shows too. And I started to look at those, you know, cakes competition. At that time, the cake boss that you could, you know, in, in, in the United States, the cake boss was a big deal. Yes. Already from a while. In Italy was, when I was a kid, it was basically the beginning of the, in Italy, nobody knew anything about those kind of cakes and tear cakes. It was really too early at that time. Um, so I started to kind of enjoy that kind of things. And, you know, I said, maybe I'm going to try to bake something. And I did, I started to bake something and the worst cakes was the, you know, they were the worst nightmare. Of course, they were really horrible. My mom would still encourage me to bake more and poor woman, she would keep <laughs> eating the stuff that I was making. Uh, but then, you know, again, like a lot of, lot of work, a lot of study, like uh, I bought a lot of books, uh, tried millions of recipes and yeah, I, I, I got in love with it. But the first time when I, when I had the experience to, when I had the opportunity to start making gelato the first time, I was probably not even 15. Gelato was my first love. Gelato was really? the, what got me into the bakery. Yeah. I was not doing any pastries, any cakes, anything. I didn't know even, I didn't even know how to make a pastry or a, a batch of pastry cream, which is the basically of the basic of a pastry yeah. world. Yeah, I was just making gelato at that time. I fell in love with it and decided to study for it and spend all the time that I had to study for it. Yeah, gelato is still today. It's uh, one of the things that I enjoy making the most, honestly. Wow. And of course, I enjoy everything. Okay. Like, I love everything I do. But gelato, it's, you know, it's my first love. So, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, that's, is that typical in Italy to kind of start with gelato and then move into pastry? Or is that kind mm. of rare? I have to say not really typical because, you know, if you, if you went to school, then you're probably just going to start into the pastry world. Gelato, it's like the one of the last uh, steps that you take. I started <laughs> the opposite way. And I started with that and I fell in love with it. And the gelato makes me feel that I have this incredible passion about the pastry world in general. 
And, right. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was like, I've never heard of someone starting with gelato. <laughs> I probably never heard about that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so why did you love gelato or why do you love gelato so much? Well, it's gelato. It's a superfood. It's not just a treat. Uh, mm-hmm. it's considered a superfood, uh, in Italy we use it a lot. It's a substitute of a meal during summertime too. There's really? like a lot of good nutrients in the gelato. Yeah. Proteins, vitamins, if it's done in the right way, of course, the artisanal, the Italian artisanal gelato, it's, uh, it's really considered a superfood. There's been article published about that. Uh, they talk about how, uh, of course, you know, th- there's a lot of sugar in it. So you gotta make sure that you use it in the right way. But it's great. It's it's just great. As a kid, as an adult, it's great for everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, if you're saying in Italy, if gelato's made the right way, then you can have that for dessert. Then consider me on board for, <laughs> I mean, for dinner. If you can have it for dinner, it's more than just dessert. Consider me on board for gelato for dinner. That is absolutely. Fine. Well, mostly for breakfast. If we if we substitute a meal, it's usually like lunch or breakfast. Like you would have a brush stuff with gelato for breakfast oh. in Sicily. Or granita. Granita, gelato. Yeah, those like okay. in Italy. In Sicily, it's a must. You can't go in Sicily and not have a brush, a brush with granita or a brush with gelato. That's Okay, well, illegal. I need to do it. <laughs> I definitely yep. <laughs> need to do that. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been to Sicily. I've only been to Italy once, and it was just for a day or two, and I wouldn't even count that. So I've been dying to get over to Italy and kind yeah. of experience that for myself. Yeah, well, Sicily, <laughs> it's a different trip. If you want to go to Sicily, you can go, like, for two or three days. you got to go in Sicily. you got to stay there for the whole week. So Right? I know. I want to. So how often do you get back over there? Well, that's kind of tough now because the business yeah. is growing up so fast that, you know, I really got to take care of it. Um, but yeah, well, I recently been there two weeks ago, actually, uh, oh. just for four days to see my family. I tr- I'm going to try to go back like maybe once a year. Sometime they mm-hmm. come over and they see me and I can go back and see them. It's a complicated trip, though, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> From door no, to door, it. U.S. to Sicily, it took me 24 hours to get there. Oh, God. Brutal. Yeah, it's it's kind of brutal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully worth it in the end, even if it's a quick trip. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. So, okay. So, you became obsessed with gelato and then kind of that transition into pastry. And then when did you come over to the U.S.? Like, what happened in between that time and having the bakery that you have now? Well, so at that time, I came over in the U.S. in 2018, like four and a half years ago. At that time, basically, I was the manager of the bakery department of the biggest uh, wedding venue that we had, like one of the biggest that we have in the whole Sicily. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, like a lot of work, a lot of responsibilities, uh, By the end of the day, like, I was not happy. There was something that was not going in the right way for me. Uh, In Italy, like, Italy, it's beautiful. Sicily, it's beautiful. But there's no future over there. Like, you work, you work, you work. Uh, Most of the time, you don't even get paid. Uh, Nobody really appreciates what you do. Uh, No customers, no. Because there's too many people that do what I do. 
and oh, it's, okay. it's really difficult over there. Yeah. So I decided to just put my resume up on Indeed and just see if somebody will, you know, take a look at it um, from abroad. And lots of people did that. <laughs> I really? was not expecting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a million offers from China, Australia, mostly Australia. Australia was one of the the, the most popular one. Uh-huh. Um, but then I got, you know, I got really lucky because when I put my resume up, basically the ones that now are my partner, they they hired a, a headhunter to find a, a chef, a pastry chef from Italy. Okay. Possibly Sicilia. So you can imagine how lucky I was. So basically, the the day after I post my resume, this this guy called me up and just said, "Hey, uh, there's an opportunity here. Do you want to talk to the owners?" And that's how it started. Uh, came over for two years. I worked as a well. The, the immigration process was a little complicated, of course, and still is. Yeah. Uh, but once we got that done, uh, I came over for two years as a chef, and the business has been blowing up since then. Uh, so I they 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 offered me to get into a, a partnership, um, and that's it. That that's I'm here now. It's been two years that I'm a partner uh, with Regina and Vince. Uh, it's Regina's husband. It's our financial partner. And we're building a future. We're building a, some Italian culture. We're, we're building something that we think it's going to stick around for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new series on Heritage Radio Network called The Culinary Call Sheet, where we give a peek into the back kitchen of culinary media. I'm your host, April Jones. And I'm your co-host, Dara Bresnitz. Part of why we started this show was to offer an unofficial mentorship for anyone who is interested in learning about all aspects of food and video, whether that's TV, social media, online, or just something you want to do for fun 
Absolutely. What was once niche or a little silly, as I'm sure you remember, Darren, when we started out. Yes, ma'am. Has now become such a massive playing field for so many creatives using food as the medium. It's something that has driven us professionally and personally for so many years. What excites me the most about this show is that we're going to sit down with some of the industry leaders to hear how they made it and what drew them into this industry. With 20 years in the culinary production game ourselves, we're hoping we can give, through these conversations, an insider's view into personal stories from the field, as well as an in-depth behind-the-scenes look into some of the most popular food programming in today's evolving culinary media landscape. We'll be covering everything from how to style your food, to how to license IP, to developing your own ideas, and some tips from the masters of how to host your own show. Yeah, it's a little bit of conversation, how to, and how do you do the things that you do in culinary media, which I'm so excited about. I love so many of the guests that are coming on this season. We have talent from Food Network, from Vice Media, Eater, Refinery29. We've met some of the best people in the world, both in front of and behind the camera. And we're bringing them all together to share their stories, their delicious adventure, and their unique journey into this crazy world. So to be the first to hear our episodes when they launch this fall, go to wherever podcasts are streaming and hit subscribe and make sure to give us a follow at the Culinary Call Sheet on Instagram. So tell me a little bit about, you know, Larte and what it's all about over there. Kind of, you know, the the food that I was able to try from there was kind of focused around, you know, the Jewish high holidays. But in general, mm-hmm. like what's the day to day kind of idea behind the business? Is it, you know, high-end Italian baked goods or what is it that you you all are doing over there? Yeah, we definitely consider ourselves a pasticceria. The name of the bakery is Lartella Pasticceria because we're really focused on pasticceria, pastries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name itself means the art of pastries because we do oh. believe that making pastries it's a heart. It, it's not a job. It, it's a heart. <laughs> it yeah. cannot be considered any other way. So, um, yeah, the business is all about pastries and cookies. Uh, we don't do anything that's not like Italian or at least Italian-American. Uh, whatever we do, it's connected to the Italian world. Uh, if we do participate in every single possible holiday like the jewish holiday we do participate in the muslim holidays um, a lot of different things because everything is related to the italian culture and the sicilian culture right. uh, so all the cookies that we have all the mm, traditional italian cakes we do they all have a history behind there's something to talk about behind that's why we keep writing blogs and Try to give as many information as we can to our customers so that they can get into the Italian culture, uh, not just like get in there and buy some pastries and go home. Try to go home with a piece of Easter, with, with a piece of Italy, actually. Right. Okay. So that sounds amazing. And what are some of the, like, the fan favorites of what you, you serve over there? Well, I mean, there's a lot. We have a product line that's, kind of massive <laughs> i never had a such a big product line even when i was in italy honestly really uh, thank god I, yeah thank god i have a great team of bakers that helped me in the kitchen because 
I wouldn't be able to do everything myself, of course. I trained every single guy in the kitchen and they're all amazing and they helped me a lot with the process of, you know, making everything. Uh, but I would say if I had to pick some of them, uh, the gelato, it's definitely, of course. I mean, <laughs> there was no other choices. It's my favorite. So it became a customer favorite too. It was oh, rated wow. the best gelato in New Jersey recently. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, other than that, uh, breakfast items like the Cornetti, uh, most known as croissant, but we don't do croissant, of course, because that's a French product. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do everything from scratch. So all those breakfast items are definitely a, a favorite. There's a crown cake that we do. It's called Brizolana, uh, which we actually ship that nationwide. Um, really complicated, but we managed to do that. Because everything we do, it's super fresh and delicate. So we don't use any preservatives or anything like that. So it's not that easy to ship everything that we make. Um, but that cake, it's definitely one of the best favorite of the customers. Like it's made with the yeah. Sicilian ricotta that we import from Sicily from like, uh, probably like 70 miles away from, from where I was born. Uh, we import it from there. It comes frozen, and then so you can get the real experience of what it takes the ricotta in Sicily. That's the same thing that we use for our cannoli. We get compliments about our cannoli all the times, of course, because the ricotta that we use for them it it comes from Sicily actually. So it's it's the real deal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not um, messing around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do believe that if I had to make something, uh, it, it, it needs to be worth making. I, I, You know, everybody makes cannoli in this country. Everybody. You find cannoli yeah. everywhere you go. Everywhere. Yep. If I had to make cannoli, they need to be something. It needs to be something that's going to actually be the real deal. I don't want to make whatever whatever everybody else is doing. My cannoli are different uh and they need to be different like they, they need to be like the the real sicilian stuff that that's why i want my customers to enjoy okay well my god that sounds incredible <laughs> and yep. since you've been over here kind of working with the with your partners and kind of getting this pasticceria to what it is today what has that experience been like for you to bring you know your sicilian roots to America and kind of teach people and customers about, you know, basically your life's work and your passion. Well, I have to say it's been amazing. I, I, really, I, I wasn't really afraid when I left Italy because I didn't know what I was going to go through. Like I didn't know how people would react to my baking styles. And, you know, you, when you leave your country, you have like a million questions that of course you don't know the answers for. Uh, since I got here, my the response was incredible. Like uh, customers are amazed. Like they really want to learn about the culture. They want to learn about the products. They they're super happy when we do like seasonal items. We do work a lot with seasonal items uh, for the major holidays. Uh, like now we're going through Thanksgiving, Christmas, mm-hmm. Every everybody can't wait for the panettone for Christmas, for example, like yes. the artisanal, the artisanal panettone, like nobody makes it anymore. <laughs> it's really yeah. a few people do that. And I like to keep the tradition going. So the, the, the response was really 
incredible. Like um, I was not expecting that. Uh, yeah. Teaching other guys here, like in my whole team on how to bake the products, even the guys that work in the front, everybody like uh, everybody's so happy to work in such a unique place. Uh, that's it, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on all that. It sounds obviously you had to Thanks. take a big leap of faith to move from Sicily to New Jersey. And so yeah. I'm glad it's working out. It's definitely working out. <laughs> Good. And so what is the what are kind of the goals moving forward? Is it just to kind of raise awareness of what it is that you all are doing over there? Is it to open more pasticherias or what is it that you hope to do with this? Well, the thing is this, like I definitely don't want to, it, it sounds ridiculous, but I don't want to grow them much to the point that I, we don't want to turn this business into a franchising or anything like that. Right. We do believe that this business, it's going to be big, but it needs to stay kind of small. Meaning like, I want to keep it artisanal. If that's the nature of the business, it's going to stay like that. Uh, we're going to get as big as we can keeping the nature of the business as an artisanal bakery. So right. we're planning to open up another location, probably in the city, um, maybe another one in the, always in the tri-state area, but that's probably about it. Uh, you okay. know, it's, it's always tough to predict what the future is going to bring you, but it's, uh, as long as I can keep the, the business as a, an artisanal Italian bakery, I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can grow as much as we can, as long as it stays artisanal. Right. Uh, I, I've been talking to people that there's been like, you know, some some kind of investors have been coming to a bakery sometimes like, oh, well, maybe you should invest in like big machines, keeping a little bit bigger. So, no, 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 no. That's, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. We, we don't do this because we want to make a, we want to build a money machine. Uh, this is a, this is just like, a, it's a dream. It's a dream. It's about the Italian culture. Uh, that's how it needs to stay. It, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, I respect that big time because not a lot of, you know, business, small business owners are able to maintain that level of artisanal and small and everything that you're mentioning. You know, a lot of people do kind of, the opposite where they franchise it out or scale it out to a much bigger thing. And, you know, obviously that can be lucrative, but it sounds like it's very important to you to stay true to your roots and what, where you came from. Yeah. It's definitely much easier to scale it out in that way and franchise or anything like that. It's definitely much more lucrative for sure, but I'm really not interested in that. Like I, don't really care. Uh, it's tough today because the importing the ingredients from Italy too, because we import a lot of ingredients from Italy, even our packaging, our packaging come from Italy. Um, oh, really? Yes. Those boxes that you got last time was, they were, they, they, they came from Italy. Oh my goodness. But yeah. They're gorgeous. The thing is that it's, it's getting more and more like, difficult every day because like you know we hold the problem that the world is facing right now uh the import export it's right. crazy the prices are going up like for everything but as much as i can will do any effort that takes to just keep the nature of the business as it is and right that that's how we want to do it <laughs> yeah good well good for you i respect that big time and i'm sure you know 
that hasn't been easy to kind of get everybody on the same page and, you know, make sure that that's how it stays. And it sounds like you're kind of doing what you love and the customers are loving it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very cool. And it's very unique, I would say, in that area to have such authenticity. And like you said, kind of everybody's making cannolis and everybody's doing some of these things. Yeah. But you're kind of bringing an extra level to that. But see, like, that's the thing, like, everybody's doing that. But now, today, I got people that, like, on the weekends, they come over here, like, in New Jersey, from Staten Island, from Brooklyn. I mean, there's a million Italian bakeries over there. But they come all the way down here in New Jersey because they they get, the, they would drive for, like, two or three hours just to get a cake really? or some pastries. Yeah, people do that. And that, I, I'm I really thankful for that. I can't really thank them enough because... I feel bad for them. I wouldn't drive two hours to get some patients, <laughs> probably. <laughs> They're happy to do that. And that, that makes me happy as well. Yeah. So what is, I guess, just for, we'll start with just the gelato. Because you said, you know, the way that gelato is done in Italy and the way that you were trained on how to make it is, you know, very different than, you know, the gelato that maybe most of us experience. What is the main difference there between kind of these you know, not imposters, but, you know, the people that are just making this all over the country and all over the world versus your very traditional Sicilian training. What is kind of the main thing that we're missing here? Because I've never had gelato in Sicily and I would love to, but <laughs> what is it that I'm missing out on that makes it so much better? You don't really have to go in Sicily anymore. <laughs> you can come over to New Jersey. It's to New Jersey. Thing. That works. <laughs> that works also, great. I would Perfect. say Some some customers, even Italian customers, have told me more than once that my gelato is even better than the one they got in Italy. Really? So, you, you should try and come over that. I could have shipped that. Of course, we can't ship gelato, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little much. So what makes it so much better? In the United States, um, like probably 90% of those frozen treats, it's it's mostly ice cream. It's not gelato. Like uh, right. only Italian... Only a few Italian uh, bakeries or anyway gelato places, they make real artisanal gelato. Um, but it's not just about that. So gelato and ice cream are already two completely different products. But the right. way you make gelato too, it's a completely different. First of all, the machine. Like the machine that I got, like I have at the bakery, it's an authentic artisanal Italian machine that comes from Italy, of course. Uh So that's the first thing. And then the ingredients, like um, the the raw material, the raw ingredients uh, became like so expensive. Um. But I still import all my ingredients for the gelato from Italy, all of them. Like wow. nothing. Uh, the only thing that I use, like, you know, local, local ingredients, of course, is the milk. Mm -hmm. which, in my opinion, tastes even better than Italy. <laughs> the, okay. the milk here is great. Yeah, the milk Good. that I use is really great. Uh, the cream, of course, like fresh ingredients, fresh dairy. I use whatever I can find locally. And then everything else comes from Italy. So hazelnut paste from Nocciola, from Piemonte. Uh, it's a, it's the most precious hazelnut in the world. Uh, pistachio from Sicily and all these kind of things like makes everything unique. When I make the ricotta, the ricotta is the Sicilian one. I don't 
like on purpose. I don't want to be cheap on that. I'd rather charge the customer like a few dollars more on a gelato cup, but then they walk away like with a great experience. Uh, most of people like maybe just decide to go the other way, <laughs> you know, go more for the quantity and try to, you know, lower the price and get, you know, more customers with, of course, you gotta give up on something. <laughs> That's no way you can satisfy everything. So if you want right. to go, you know, if you want to have more quantities, then you have to give up on the quality. That's not, there's no other way. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds like a lot that you have to kind of prioritize and choose between, but it also sounds like what you're doing is resonating with people and they're realizing that the the quality yeah. and the difference and what you're offering is worth the extra cost or the drive but, or you know <laughs> absolutely but also like the the area where we are it's bergen county it's one of the area in the states there's a the biggest concentration of uh italian like it's one of the biggest italian community really so yeah like there's a lot of italians here i mean when i say italians i it's probably most of them that they're not Italian like me, <laughs> but they were born uh, in family with like maybe first generation, second generation. Like they somehow have some interest in the Italian culture anyway. Uh, it's a really wealthy area. So people, you know, they don't mind spending a dollar more on something that it's worth. It's worth it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a lot of. I mean, I personally agree with that mentality as if, you know, if you're going to pay for the quality, if you're going to take the effort to drive to a bakery and get, you know, the best Italian baked goods, that they might as well be the best, you know? <laughs> and yep. so I personally, I totally get it. And I think that's that's super cool that you've really stayed, you've stuck to your guns in that sense and are offering that high caliber and high level of quality to people. So I think it's very, very cool. And I'm very impressed to hear all about that. Well, yeah. Was there anything else important to add about your pastry background or your story that I haven't asked you? Um, no, I think that's, pre I mean, I could talk about my job for hours and never get I tired bet. of it. <laughs> but yeah, for the purpose of this, I think it's, uh, we got it all and we Good. just can invite people to join us on look on the website and see what we do, stay in touch with our blog. And again, we're, we're trying to building a, a, a culture here. Like we're trying to building something that it's going to be for our kids, for the future, for so that everybody can know like what the Italian pastries look like and taste like. I love that. Well, that's incredible. Thank you so much for telling me all about this. And like, I knew this was going to happen, but making me very hungry for Italian of course. pastries. So <laughs> you did your job. I appreciate that. Sorry about that. that. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. At least you get to go into the bakery and just have them there waiting for you all the time. But I'll make my way Absolutely. back up north and... I'll have to head over to Jersey one of these days and check out the gelato and everything for myself because you have me fully convinced. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll be All waiting right. for you. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. 
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.